won't make it mad. I got good things, got you. Hoops and everything, get back, never get back too soon. Are you lonely? Are you there when I'm not in the room? Are you only, only a part of this when you choose? Hello and welcome to the Point of Difference podcast. My name's Jono, coach of Flatty Burtons, uh, and we are pumped up, ready for another week to talk about Supercoach for the new year, especially after a weekend of trials that was able to whet our appetite a little bit uh, Yeah, over the last weekend. Here tonight to talk about all the mid-range players, the most highly owned and also as well some relevant pods. To talk with me tonight is our first contributor, Coach of Tubes' Pods. Tubes, welcome to the Pod Pod again. Yeah, g'day. Uh, big news during the week. Uh, I've just re-signed a contract for three years with the Pod Pod. Um, just extended that out. So I'm happy to be here and, and just ready to lift um, <laughs> and and looking forward to getting onto the getting onto the pod with, with our second guest making his debut for the year. Well, before we get to the second guest, Tubes, just in case people don't understand what we're talking about, are you talking about PVLs just re-signed a three-year deal with a a succession plan in place? Nah, uh, I mean, I, he may have, but I've signed a three-year deal to continue the chairmanship of the pod pod. So, um, <laughs> so not connected to the news, fair enough. Thinking about since the succession plans in place, though, whether or not I see out the three years, we'll see. <laughs> All right, well, uh, making his debut, ready for a strong intro. Uh, he's been pretty good with his chat in the group chat about some of his big opinions coming into the new year. It is the coach of C-Max Shark Attack. Chris, welcome to the Pod Pod for 2024. Thanks, Jono. Good to be back. I tell you what, I couldn't have watched any more cricket over the summer. I was watching women's cricket. I was watching T20 cricket. I was watching European League cricket. I've had enough cricket. I could not be more pumped up for the NRL uh, and more pumped up for Supercoach. So uh, very, very pumped, very excited to be back. And uh, I'm actually coming for all of you, every single one of you. Last year, I finished third out of this rumble, and uh, I was so disappointed in myself. I kept it quiet all year, but I really wanted that top spot. But this year, out in the open, I want it, I'm going for it, and I will get it. <laughs> Especially after you had such a big, fast start last year, just to choke late. <laughs> I did start. I did have some good good weeks last year. I was looking back through it. You know, I did have, um, I think it was up around the 128 at one point. Just some real poor decisions. But, you know, we live, we learn. I've done that, and I'm ready to go for this year. And that's fine, being fourth line of betting. Get on. All right. Well, just before we get into the main bulk of tonight's show, uh, wanted to remind our listeners that the Unlimited League is now up and running. The code is 501378. That's 501378. Uh, Tubes, I believe prizes are still TBD, but there are some things in the works. Oh, big news coming on the prizes. Uh Last year, we had the the best prize in Supercoach, uh, and we're looking to live up to it uh, for this year, but just in some negotiations with uh, with potential suppliers. So I think we should have it in place in the next couple of weeks, but join the co- join the league now, uh, and we will uh, we'll let you know what, what you're in to win it in the next couple of weeks. And Chibs, the last year's winner's up. He's up in a couple of weeks. He's coming up to Sydney to, to celebrate the prize with, with you guys. Yeah, so last year's prize was a game of golf at the Lakes, followed by a day in the Chairman's Lounge at Royal Randwick, which we are doing next Saturday on Randwick Guineas Day. Uh, So it should be, which coincides with the first round of the NRL. So it should be should be a big weekend. I think um, Craig is his name. He's he won he won it last year, and he's coming he's coming up from uh, your your hometown, Jono Canberra. Mm. Good old Craig. 
going up the going up going up the Hume. <laughs> all right. Well, good luck Wait, to Craig. Is that, that's the wrong highway. <laughs> that's all right. Don't worry. We'll move on. Um, look, the bulk of what we're doing t- tonight is going to be about looking at the mid ranges. So last week we were focusing on the premium. Uh, players and super coach, looking at the ones to avoid and the ones who you want to start with in your team for the year. This episode, we're going to be looking at all those mid-ranges, so our players between 400K to 630K. Uh, and we have kind of structured, so we're going through by position, and we're also looking at the ownership levels of those players as well. So there'll be a couple of interesting ones that we might be able to talk into people's teams or, or talk out of people's teams. We'll start with the hooker position, first of all. Uh, and, Tubes, I'm going to start with one that I know is not only on your radar but is currently sitting in your team after what you saw in the trials over the weekend. It's Appy Coruscant, who's currently 572K. You are pretty passionate about Appy as being a really good option to start the year, even though he misses round one with the bye. Yeah, I like Appy. Um, I think I did some stats up last night, but now I've forgotten what they are. Uh, I think he, he, on the weekend, he was named, um, he was obviously kicking goals. I think that's good for two main reasons. One, obviously, the points you get from goal kicking. But two, I think it's a really good indicator that he will be... um, potentially playing 80 minutes or close to 80 minutes um, this year. He played a lot of 80-minute games at the back end of last season uh, after Sheen's got got the heave-ho and Benji sort of came in. Um, so I think when he played 80 last year, which was 11 out of the 21 games, he averaged uh, 71, 72 um, across those 80-minute performances. So I just think that, He's got such high upside. You add goal kick into that, he's, he's potentially matching Harry Grant uh, for a couple of hundred K cheaper, that it's worth the risk. Chris, do you have a, a case against or are you, are you on the same wavelength as Tubes? Oh, look, to be honest, I haven't given uh, Appy that much thought. I don't like to get players in who are on the buy round one. Just there is a fair bit going on um, when when that first price rise goes, goes in. So I, I tend to sort of want all my players playing uh, for those first three weeks. Uh, so I probably haven't given it enough of a look, to be honest. But given what Tubes has said, he's goal-kicking and if he's playing 80, um, it, it, at his price, he would be hard to pass up. But uh, I don't think I can go there. Just that, that buy straight away. And look, they're not going to be a great team. That scares me as well. Yeah, you can wonder how much, how many points the goal is actually going to to add with that Tigers attack. But you never know. They could have an improved year. I, I'm with you, Chris. I'm leaning towards no. And it's not – I, I fair play to anyone who wants to go, and I do understand it. But for me, I'd just be worried that if we get to round one and someone like a Jake Simpkin gets a bench spot and then he's not getting that 80 and he's only getting 60 to 65 minutes, he's probably not going to lose your money. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to make money. And I think there are a couple of other options who we'll talk about who I think could make some money there. But, yeah, Chubbs, I, I think it's an interesting one because if – if we got to, if they were playing round one and that he was named with no hooker on the bench, I think I'd almost have him as a lock in my team. So it is a bit of an interesting case, and I wish we could know the answer. I suppose the safety net of waiting is that round four we can always trade to him because we'll have that extra week to watch and see how how things are going. Um, the next hooker on our list is one that I have had sitting in my team for most of the off season, and that is the cheese Brandon Smith. 
And I was really encouraged by what I saw of him in the All-Stars game the other night. He looks lighter. He looks fitter to start the year. I thought last year he looked a bit slow and sluggish. Uh, He was taking runs out of dummy half with regularity. So I was really, really encouraged. And I love his upside at his price as well. So, Chris, as you can tell, I'm very, very high on the cheese. Now, I know you were someone who, despite high ownership and a lot of hopes for him last year, you kept your team lactose-free. There was no Brandon Smith for you. What do you think? Am I going crazy to consider the cheese again for for 2024? No, I don't think I don't think you are, Joe. I like that. Um, it's it's rattled me the lactose. Um, no, I don't think you're going crazy. I like I like the cheese. His body shape looks to have changed. He looks slimmer. He looks fit. Uh, he looked really fast on the weekend. He looks strong in a dummy half. Uh, he's going to be in a good side behind a good pack. Um, uh, that running game of his behind those big boys, he could really cause some damage and get some really, really um, handy points, especially early on in the season. Looking the way he does, so I, I can I can get around Chase. He's not he's not he's not one I'm uh, I've got locked in at the moment, but uh, definitely one I'm looking at. Jubes, any love for the Chase? He was looking trim, um, and uh, talk about his body shape. I, th- I think he he did look like he's in for a big season. He he might be on the lactose free diet this year. Maybe bit of, bit of time in the eastern suburbs, couple of oat oat milk almond lattes. Uh, just just changing it up a little bit. <laughs> oat milk and almond. <laughs> Get a little bit of both milks. Get him in there. All right. Well, that, that's more discussion on on the shape of Brandon Smith's body than I expected tonight. So let's move on to the next the next players in the position. Um, I'm going to throw you guys out there two names who I think we can probably talk about in similar ways. You've got Reese Robson from the Cowboys at 561K and you've got Blake Braley from the Sharkies at 579K. The reason I'm grouping those together is because they're probably two of the only pretty safe 80-minute hookers who we can be confident are going to get close to that 80-minute mark this year. Do you think there is a case to start with either of those guys as your hooker and, and save money on Jeremy Marshall King or Harry Grant? I might jump in there, Tubes, because uh, I, I do like uh, Reese Robson. Uh, I like the Cowboys' early draw. Actually, I actually feel like they're going to improve somewhat. Uh, so I, I do like Reese Robson at the moment. I've got him locked in as my number one hooker. Um, actually, locked wow. in is probably not the not the word, but I've got him in as my number one hooker at the minute. Uh, I just find, yeah, I, I, I like him as a player. I think he's got some attacking upside. We didn't see much of that last year. The year before, I think it was. I think it was there. And uh, if if they improve as a side, I can see Reese Robson uh, really improving his scores. So I've got him in there at his price. I think it's worth the risk because, like you say, it's a fair jump to to your next uh, caliber of player like a um, a Marshall King. So I like I like Reese Boy at the minute. Um, I find Blake Braley. Uh, the Trentley arrow of uh, dummy halves. I think he's very meat and potatoes. Uh, so I wouldn't go near uh, Blakey boy. <laughs> Always good to get a Trentley arrow dig in. <laughs> what about uh, the final hooker on our list, Tubes? Because you've mentioned him a couple of times. And going by the trial teams for this weekend, which obviously they're trial teams, but a lot of them do look like they're they're close to what you could consider full strength. Jacob Little Tubes is one that you said you may be interested in if he got an 80-minute roll. He's currently in there, priced at 458k. Are you tempted at all by by Little? Are you a little bit tempted? Oh. 
I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not impressed by that pun, but I am impressed by uh, the, the naming <laughs> of the team. Uh, I do think uh, what the 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 backup hooker is Connor Mohelisian. Um, he played a few games last year, uh, and he's named in the 19 jersey uh, for their trial this weekend versus the Tigers. So. It definitely piques my interest if Little is a chance of playing 80 minutes. He has – he's just had such a hard run with injuries his whole career, but he's definitely got some talent. Um, there was some chat that potentially Flanagan was brought in to play hooker, but obviously now he's playing 5-8 um, with the whole Ronald Volkman saga. So, yeah, I think if you can, if you can pretty much – Give me the the opportunity that Little's going to be playing close to eighty minutes at four hundred and fifty k. There's a lot of upside in that, and and obviously saves you a couple of hundred k from some of the other more expensive options. So, Chiefs, who would you have? Because they're similar prices. Would you be tempted to go with Little as like a safer get eighty minutes option, or would you go for the potential upside of the cheese? Because they're they're similar prices. People might have to make a call between those two. Uh, I will not be going the cheese to start the year. I don't think. I think I'll be going Appy, as I've as I've mentioned. But I could uh, just just because the Roosters play that week earlier. Um, but then if Little is named for round one uh, with no hooker on the bench, uh, then I could easily be tempted to go to um, uh, to Little instead of Appy for sure. Let's now turn our attention to the big fellas up front. Let's get stuck into the front row forward. Uh, and for the record with this one, we've done anyone who is considered to be a dual second row forward, front row forward, if we thought they were worthy of talking about. We've moved them into the front row forward because the second row forward is absolutely stacked. So, Tubes, one who I know you're not keen on is Tom Flegler playing for the Dolphins this year after moving there for the Broncos. He's fairly cheap at 475k, but he's not one that you are keen for people to, to take up this year. I just don't see he's got that much upside. Like he was getting okay minutes at the at the Broncos. Like as in, at best, what's he going to get? Maybe an extra five minutes on the field, like or ten, like like at absolute best. Like, and he's not a massive PPM man that or anything like that. It sort of just feels like he's changing clubs, so people think that that means that he might have upside. Um, and I just don't really see it. Jason Taumalolo coming in priced at 439k. One of the former super coach lock and load players you could have in your team for the year and know was safe. He's coming in as cheap as I think I can remember him being in his whole super coach career. For me, I, I just, I'm not feeling it. I know it's value and I'm happy to be proven wrong, but even at 439k, he just doesn't seem as formidable. Uh, and I think that with the depth there, they don't rely on him. It's not value. What? Why is it why is it why is it value? Just because he's been higher before, like so he's it's a cut. Who said it's, I didn't say it's saying. value. I said, yeah, as in like I just don't think I've ever seen lower. I don't think I don't think it's good value. I just went on a rant about how I don't think you should pick him up. You so know, it's a podcast and we're recording. <laughs> you know, it's a podcast. We're recording what you're saying. So uh, 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 no, we'll, we'll we'll listen back over that uh, value comment later on. Uh, I think he is very little chance to get good minutes uh, to be worthwhile. 
Um, I think that their middle is pretty stacked. Even if you look at their um, uh, bench that they've named for this weekend, they've obviously Cohen Hess have moved into the middle. They've got Sam McIntyre. I think Griffin Neem, whilst he can play an edge, he also can play through the middle. Uh, and then, as you've we've just talked about, Ruben Cotter is is likely going to play big minutes. So, can't see that Lolo's really going to be worth. Um, there's a reason he's priced at what he is, and I think his output, if anything, will be regressing rather than progressing based from last year. Yeah, I agree. I think his days of being super coach relevant are pretty much numbered. Uh, Max King is one who's currently sitting in my team. Uh, he's 547K. He started off really, really hot last year. Uh, uh, he's scoring through the roof, playing massive minutes for the Dogs. I think he had a couple of little niggling injuries as the year progressed, and the minutes fell a bit. He had a bit of a spell out and then came back through the bench. Uh, the reason I'm liking Max King is because I think he's a pretty safe pick to get really strong minutes again, and a lot of that is just based around the fact that the Bulldogs' middle depth is just shocking. They just don't have that many front row forwards. So I do see him, and I'll, I'll use the term value correctly here. I do think there is value in Max King at 547K to potentially exceed uh, that price tag. Tubes, you, I know you're on a similar page to me on this one. Are you Is he in your team at the moment? He's just come out, but I've had him in a lot. Um, I I listened to one of those early Magic Sponge podcasts and and I won't try to repeat it because I'll get it wrong, but the NRL physio gave a really good uh, review as to what his injuries he was playing this year and why um, we can expect potential better output uh, from him uh, in this season after playing through those injuries. As you said, I think he's named starting uh, prop. I think he's likely to get pretty good minutes uh, their bench, uh, at least for this week, is includes Kurt Mann. They've got Jamin Salmon starting at lock, but he could end up on the bench as well. So I just think that there's going to be good minutes there for those front rowers at the Dogs. And he showed in the last couple of years what he can do. I think he's a very good pickup. It's just 547K. It's tricky. Like, it's tricky for me. I want to get a premium, like a Payne Haas in the front row forward. And and I don't know if I can afford to pay up. I think if you're going to go him, he's sort of a good number one option uh, to start uh, the year for you as a downgrade from, say, a Payne Haas, et cetera. Our last player on the list for front row forward is another guy who's also dual position, available at 2RF. But I think most people, if they pick him, it will be in the front row slot, is from the Rabbitohs, Jai Arrow, who is coming in at only 466K, which, again, uh, as cheap as I can remember him starting a season, like we've said with a couple of guys prior, Jai Arrow is very looking likely to start on an edge for Souths. Last year, he had a bit of a mixed role. He started the year on an edge and then came back in through the bench, spent a bit more time on the edge, didn't really have a consistent role within the Souths pack. He's looking like being a at least 60 to 65-minute man starting on an edge, potentially spending some time through the middle as well. Chris, is Jai Arrow a target for you? Yeah, he definitely is. And for, you know, all the reasons you've um, you've brought up there, uh, he has really good super coach pedigree. Like, he was one of the must-haves um, when he was coming through at the Gold Coast. Um, since he's been to South, he's, South, he's probably been a little bit uh, injury-plagued at times. But uh, I, I like I like the fact that he's starting on the edge for the Bunnies. Well, looks like he's going to start on the edge. Um, and as you say, those minutes are going to be up. He might have the odd attacking stat here and there playing on the edge. And... 
and and he could get a stint in the middle too. So I, I only see upside at the minute for Jai Arrow. Um, so I um, yeah, I really hope he, he starts fast. Chiefs, last week you spoke about the podfather's tactic of starting really heavy in the front row to get that solid base, build yourself up some points. Is there any scope or is it just too crazy to start with Jai Arrow as your first front row forward at 466k, really cheap out? And kind of lay the position. Is there is there any merit in that, or is that just madness? I think there's merit in any type of strategy that you that you want to think through. It's then what are you going to do with those with that money that you're going to save in that position? And for me, I think that is a bit too risky to start the year. Um, I've got Jairo as my second front row forward right now. I really like that he's got the dual position and that you can switch him around. Um, uh, let's be honest, when we're, I'm sure we're about to talk about it, that we're, the back row is the mid-range capital of the world at the moment and it's likely that one or two of them are not going to fire. Um, so you've got to be prepared for that and having that dual flexibility means you can move around before sort of the end of uh, the round three. What about Andrew King? Put him in the socket. Put him somewhere. He's too good for this game. The juggler! The juggler's come out at Brookie! Well, let's get into the second row. And we're going to start with the most owned of the second row mid-range forwards, which is Sean Lane, who we did talk a little bit about last week when we spoke about Dylan Brown. We spoke about their combination on the left edge. I think for me, Sean Lane is a player who's been in my team since my first draft and just hasn't left and doesn't look like leaving. Do you guys consider him to be a lock that everyone should be starting the year with? It's a yes from me. I'm much like one hundred percent. Every every team I've made, he's been in. Um, uh, at the price, given the year he had last year with injury, um, and he's coming back, um, hopefully fit and firing. Um, the year before, he was fantastic. I thought he was actually unlucky not to get a Kangaroos jersey. That's how good he was playing, or a Blues jersey. Um, so, you know, super coach wise, he's got some real upside about him. Offloads, he's a He's really a really strong ball runner on the edge. They've got some creative halves as well, Parramatta. So I think he's he's almost must have. All right. Well, that's I think we're all yeah in agreement. So no no point spending any more time on him. Let's go to the second most owned of these mid range front row forwards, which is Josh Curran from the Bulldogs. So Josh Curran, another one who in twenty twenty two was a really really relevant super coach player, and a few had him to start last year when he got a, a starting edge back row spot at the Warriors, but. Injuries, ended up moving to the bench, didn't get big minutes. So he comes in at a massive discount from what he's peaked at in the past. Interestingly for Josh Curran, he's named for this trial this week as actually not their starting lock, which is what I think a lot of people would have expected. Jamin Salmon, the weak gutted dog himself, has got that number 13 jump after a strong first trial. I'm interested to see if it's potentially just Josh Curran. It's his first game back. He didn't play last week's trial, so maybe they just want to work him in. But... Obviously, you can't touch him if he's coming off the bench. If he ends up jagging the starting role over WGG, uh, do you think he's someone we should have in our teams? Yes. I think um, if he starts lock, you you definitely want to um, have him in there. Uh, similar to what I said about the dog's bench earlier, like it's, it's potentially that Salmon and Man get a bench spot um, and it'll be interesting to see what that minutes rotation then ends up looking like. Um, I know that um, Salmon, 
he must be one of uh, Cam's boys. Like, obviously, he, he worked with him at Penrith um, and he's brought him across to the dogs. So there is a bit of concern there. But, um, but yeah, we'll just have to wait for the round one team and see see where that gets named. But I think if he's named starting lock, he's, he's pretty much a lock in my team. Chris? Yeah, it concerned, it concerned me. He's been in my team sort of the whole way through. That that um, that team list today concerned me a bit. Um, and Jamin Salmon actually looked all right um, at the back end of last year at times playing for Penrith. And like Tubes touched on, he is one of uh, Serrato's boys. So uh, it's a wait and see for me now, big time. So I'll, uh, I'll have a look on Friday night and... Um, have my fingers crossed for the first teamless Tuesday of the year, or the second teamless Tuesday, actually, because uh, it won't be the Vegas one. I wouldn't mind him, to be yeah, honest, being just... named on the bench, like just because he's so highly owned, and I, I, I want to just. There's plenty of options. I wouldn't mind getting rid of him and finding finding another option, but I think he's a must-have if he's named starting lock. Which is interesting to see if the next guy on the list is, is someone you consider a must-have because it's uh, Brendan Piakura from the Broncos who looks like he's going to be playing 80 minutes this year on an edge, scored two tries in a trial on the weekend, didn't get through a lot of work. I mean, you can put that down to being a trial and also the fact that he's not a massive workhorse. It's not his style. He's more of a, an attacking upside edge back rower as, uh, as seen by the two tries. He actually had a bit of an MCL injury. He's in doubt for round one now. So that will be interesting. At least the Broncos are one of the first teams to play, so we'll know if he's in the team or not. And they have flown him over to Vegas, so that is obviously a, a promising sign that he should play come round one. Uh, is he a lock-in at all for you guys or just someone who's on the watch list for now? Chris? Uh, he's on the watch list for me. Um, I think given, given he's going over there with an injury cloud, if there's any doubt at all, they'll probably rest him. I know he's flying over, but then what? So they they miss the next weekend, so he gets a few weeks recovery time uh, before that that round two game. So if there is any doubt, um, I'll, I'll be happy to sit on him. But yeah, given given his performance on the weekend, you've got to have an eye on him. Um, he uh, he's got some real attacking upside. Yeah, I think he's an interesting one because I owned him for the second half of last year and kind of held him through the last eight rounds to the end. And he is going to have some low scores in him. He's going to be a pretty frustrating own at times because he's not a big base man. He'll have some low 30s, high 20s where he's not getting those attacking stats. But then he could also have those weeks where he can go for 90 plus and, and jag a few. So he's an interesting player. He's not one that I think will come without frustration for owners, but I do think his value at, at that price tag. One who has kind of come massively back into contention due to the injury of Dave Fafita, who I think is out for the first five or six weeks, happy to be corrected, is Bo Furmore. Big Bo, who was a popular own centre wing player in 2022, uh, had a year off last year with injury. Uh, Tubes, are you looking for more when it comes to Bo? Uh, he's not one of my boys, Bowie. Um can't, can't say I'm looking for more from him uh, to start the year. If he gets that left edge spot to start, start because that's 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 where he was, wasn't he? So that it's really hard to turn that down for me, especially at the price. And and he 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 had a pretty a really strong season the year before um, the injury last year. I think he was knocking on the door for Origin selection. Even like um, he was definitely in an extended squad there. So I I'm seriously considering him. Hmm. I don't. I don't like it. 
And I think for me, part of it is because I don't see why he'll play on the left edge. Like I understand that Fafita's injured, but when Fafita comes back, I fully assume he's playing on the left edge because he had a great combo out there with Four and, and uh, Khan Pereira last year. I don't see why they changed that. And why would you not allow both Fulmore to work on those combinations on the right edge if that's where you plan on playing him for the season? So I don't know if I'm buying into this left edge thing, but I'm not even going to attempt to sit here and get in the mind of Des Hasler because he's the mad scientist and who knows what he's going to do. But that would yeah. be my concern is that he comes out round one, plays the right. And also, I just, even if he does play the left and then Fafita comes back from injury, it, I mean, the main reason he was so popular two years ago was he had center wing dual. Um, I mean, he had a good season, but he still only averaged 65. And when I say only, that's obviously a good average, but I'd say that's his ceiling. Like, I can't see him going better than that. Um, so do you really want to take a flyer on him in the second row where the ceiling's 65? For what is he four hundred and sixty seven thousand? Like, I don't get me wrong. I think there's there's value there, but I just I'm value hunting and thinking there's some somewhere else to go. Well, is that somewhere else? Tubes Billy Kickout priced at four hundred and sixty seven k. A really really injury interrupted season for the dogs last year, and the dogs were just terrible. Are you any interest in in picking up Kickout to start the year? Yeah, um, he's in my team at the moment. I mean, it's hard to compare because he's obviously had so many good years at uh, Penrith, but even you just sort of go back to 2022 and he, um, uh, like, he isn't he isn't one that I would expect to be in my team for the whole season, but I just think that he's one of those players that can go on big runs. Um, so you get him at a cheap price to start the year, um, he easily could, you know, if he's fully fit and firing, rattle off sort of a, a really big start to the year and suddenly make 100, 200K. Um, and to be honest, I'd probably then be dropping off him uh, because I know that he sort of goes up and down with his prices and, and I think he's just worth the risk at the at that mid-range level and hope that you get a, a, a good run out of him at some point during the season. Chris, I th- don't think you're quite as keen on Billy Kickout from our discussions in the past. Oh, look, I've got him at the moment just because I like Tubes. I, uh, I, I see value and I think, uh, again, like Tubes, I think he's very capable of making you a couple of hundred there and then jumping off to uh, to some one of those premiums. Uh, like, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at starting with him. Yeah, he's in my team at the moment, but he's not a lock-in for me. I still... I know how much he's relied on those attacking stats in the past. I'm, I'm not convinced he's going to get those very often at the dogs. And I also think there's a chance they might use him in 55 to 60 minutes as opposed to him playing that 80-minute role. And if he was to be at that kind of time frame, I just don't know if there's enough on the field for the dogs. But he's in my team at the moment because I think Tubes' case about that upside is, is really strong. Let's go on to the trio of Roosters who all sit in this uh, mid-range price. So you've got Sia Wong, who's 462k. Angus Crichton, who's 409K, and Satili Tupanua, who is 398K. So short, technically, of qualifying for tonight, but I think they're a good one to, to group together. I think, for me, to start with any of those three would be the long choice. Do you guys have any of those three in your team, or do you think they're avoids to start the year? No, I think they're avoids. Um, just the, the plain fact of the matter is you've got three people there who've got to somehow go into two spots. Um, that worries me. The minutes are going to be taken off off um, 
they're going to take the minutes off each other. So I, I can't go near any of them. And it's not to say that, you know, at some point, given injuries or rotation, that they won't become relevant, but I just won't be starting the season with them. Yeah, Chris, and just to add to that, it's not only three fighting for two spots. There's Nat Butcher as well, who we didn't even chuck on the run sheet. But they've, they've got four legit back and Egan. To fight for those two spots. Yeah, and Egan. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Their depth is insane. Can't get yeah. near. Um, can't, like, and I'm sure the listeners out there, I mean, geez, I'm getting nice little cringy tingles each little pun that you're bringing in here. Uh, John, I, it was sitting there, the Wong choice, but it, it, even though I knew it was coming, it still sent a shiver down my spine when you said it. Uh, so maybe we could leave them on the chopping room floors. <laughs> Is that a segue, Chips? You want to lead us into the next man? I think you yeah, just did. I think uh, Sean Bloor, uh, he uh, 445K, uh, He's a no-go for me to start the year. I reckon I'll own him at some point during the year. I'm big on Eli Katoa, uh, and I think that he's been named on the bench or outside to start uh, the trial this weekend. So if that's any indication, I just think that unless he gets a starting spot on that um, left edge for the um, for the Storm, he's he's just not even worth talking about. All right, well, let's take that advice and move on because there's two very relevant Cowboys back rowers. Uh, Hill and Lukey, my my man from last year at 471K, and Jeremiah Nanai at 583K. Uh, Jeremiah Nanai is one who has been in and out of my team as a, a just-below-premium option at that price. I owned him last year, and I, I loved what I saw from him. He's got that massive attacking upside. If the Cowboys can get their attack humming, he just knows how to find the line. And he's coming in a bit underpriced because he was pretty injury-affected and inconsistent with his footy last year. So he's one that I've really, really got my eye in. I think on this podcast, Tubes, you and your two brothers, Matt and Dan, have spoken a lot about the Cowboys' potential and not having a bye to around 16 and, and the good early start. So Jeremiah Nanai definitely fits that bill for me. Chris, we haven't heard as much from you about the Cowboys players as we have from the others. Is Nanai, you've already mentioned Cotters in your team, uh, you've already mentioned that you might start with Robson. Is is Nanai a chance of cracking that starting twenty five as well? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'll probably have one of these two. I I can't work out which one. Um, I think they both got attacking upside. I like that they both passed the eye test really well. Uh, athletic, big bodies. Uh, they could both go. You know, their scores could go through the roof. Um, I'm not sure which where I'm going to land here. I'll probably slightly lean towards Lukey just because that'll give me um, another 110k to probably upgrade somewhere else. Uh, but I'd be, I, I wouldn't, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't worried that Nano wasn't going to go berserk if I go the Lukey way. So uh, I think they're both viable options, especially as you said with that Cowboys draw to start. Jubes, where are you at at the moment with those two? I I'm. I'm honestly trying to find a way to have them both in my team. Uh, the I, I think that the bench that's been named this weekend for the final preseason trial for them is is awesome for both of them. I think, as you sort of said pre-pod, Nanai's likely to just be an 80-minute back rower regardless. Um, he's obviously not a huge base stat man, but he's a, his attacking upside and try-scoring ability is second to none in the second row um position the so it really is then do 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 you want to start with Lukey um and 
the and and I want to make sure that he would be getting sort of sixty five plus minutes uh, to be starting with him. I agree with Chris that he does have attacking upside as well, uh, but he will, in my opinion, rely a bit more on the base. And yeah, the, this weekend's bench for them is Granville, Griffin, Neem, Cohen, Hess, and Sam McIntyre. And so, whilst Neem and at a pinch Hess could play a little bit of an edge back row, um, I think that that's a pretty good bench uh, for both of them with Fainu Fuyaki uh, named in the 20 jersey. Fenny Fuyaki. Uh, Fenny Fuyaki named in the 20 jersey and uh, and 21 jersey. So, yeah, if he's not named to start the year, then I'm a chance of starting both of them. Yeah, it's a bench that looks like Luke he's in for at least 60 minutes. And if he's getting 60 minutes with his work rate, his tackle-busting ability, and he's got attacking upside too. Like he went for two tries in about a five-minute period in the game last year. If he's getting 60 minutes, that price tag is definitely unders. Uh, similar to, to Tamalolo, there's value in that price tag. Uh, so I think he's definitely one. I, I said pre-pod to you guys I was no chance of Lukey, but that tubes and Chris, you guys have almost talked me right back into him because he is very, very tempting at that price. All right, let's finally move away from second row forward. I think the other three positions we can move through a little bit faster because there's probably not quite as much happening. Actually, sorry, I'll take that back. There's one more thing that Matt requested us to do tonight with second row forward. I think he wanted us to rank them all in order. We're not going that far, but... Can you guys give me your top three of everyone we've gone through in that second row forward lineup? If you could start with three of those guys only, who are your top three that we would start with? Tubes, what do you got? Cool. Uh, I think just because of the question marks over Curran and Piacora, I'm probably going to say Lane, Lukey, and Nanai for me. Chris? Uh, Lane, Nanai, Billy Kick. Just in front of Lukey. Oh, nice. And I couldn't have the same. I've thing. got let's let's uh, assume that Pierre Curie is playing round one for mine because I think he will. I'm going to go Lane, Pierre Curie, Pierre Cura, and Nanai. I think are my three. But geez, Lukey's Lukey's tearing down the edge, wanting to be picked there. All right, geez, now let's Nanai. half and five eight spots. Sorry, I'm just I mean, we've all named Nanai. What is he? He's like two one percent owned or something like that in Supercoach. That's why the listeners come to Wow, the I didn't realise he was that low. Something ridiculous. Uh I probably could have that stat oh, up. That's, yeah. Uh he is currently four percent owned. So yeah, very geez, low that's, pod option. That's a good pod. Massive pod option. All right, let's go to half and five eight, and uh, the Sharkies fans can comment on this one because you guys have seen more of this guy and are probably a bit higher on him than what I am, is uh, Trindle at 439K. He's one that seems to be piquing people's interest a little bit, particularly after the All-Stars in the weekend, uh, especially with the dearth of five eight options. Are either of you guys are Sharkies fans high on him and, and tempted to start the year with him? No chance. Like, it seems ridiculous, really. I think he would if he was kicking goals, he might come into contention a little bit. Um, but otherwise, he's barely going to touch the ball. Like with Nico, his only good super coach scores has ever come when Nico's not in the team and he's kicking goals. Um, with Nico in the team, yeah, I'm I'm happy with him as a serviceable five eight. 
um, to play, but not as a super coach option for sure. No, I'm not as dark on him, Tubes. Not even undervalued. I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere near as dark on him. I like I like his uh, the ability to flip in between half and five eight, especially if you're not going to start with um, uh, Cleary and Hines. And I think on the weekend we saw that you know the, if anything he was the more dominant on ball half on Friday night. Um, so it might be a case of that's something that Fitzgibbon's looking for the Sharks to do, go away from playing Nico Ball, which might hamper Nico's super coach scoring. But I'm look, I'm not starting with Tricky, but I'm, I'm gonna, I'm definitely watching it. Um, I don't, I don't mind him. All right, well, a good debate there on on Braden Trindle. Uh, let's move on to the next, the next man on the list, who is Sam Walker, who having the super coach app live and open in front of me, he is the twelfth most owned. Halfback at the moment behind such classic names uh, as Tyron Wishart, uh, Luke Brooks, the man we mentioned before, Braden Trindle, sitting at only 4.4% ownership. And I'm one of those 4.4% at the moment. Chris, I think he's in your team right now as well. What is it for you that's standing out for Sam Walker this year? Yeah, well, before I saw the 4.4%, um, I loved having him in my team and I, now I like it even more. But um, look, I think. Just a bit more continuity about his game this year. Like it almost was like last year, they weren't quite sure whether he was the man. By the back end of the year, he had a pretty good run at the, at the spot and really came into his own. Uh, won a few games uh, for the Chooks, uh, you know, right at the end of the game. So he, he was a bit of a clutch player for them at the end of the season. So I see that rolling into this year. I just, I just, I see the Chooks having a big year, and I see um, Sam Walker right in the middle of that. I hope they start fast, and, and I see him being um, a really important player for the Chooks this year. Chooks, have you had Sam Walker in your squad at any stage? I think you have, haven't you? I have. I keep flipping between him and Mitch Moses um, as my non-premium premium, i.e. non-cleary halfback. Um, I like the sound of all of that, just what Chris said, and the fact that he's 300K cheaper than, than Cleary. Um, I... I could still end up going with him if I just can't find that 80K to go to Mitch Moses. I probably like Moses slightly better, um, but he's obviously slightly a bit more expensive. Uh, but I do I do like Sam Walker for this. I, I, he'd be my number one pick in this sort of price bracket um, at the moment. I think one thing we haven't mentioned is the goal-kicking factor as well. He's actually become a really consistent goal-kicker, has massively improved it. Sam Walker did used to have those weeks in which could go very, very low because he's not exactly a, a base stat monster, but that kicking, if the Roosters attack fires to start the year, which is obviously not a not a guarantee based on how they've gone the last two, but if they're scoring points, that should really kind of elevate his, his floor quite a bit. Chris, I want to hear your thoughts on Mitchy Boy Moses. I know he's a little bit above the premium range, but... I needed you as an ally last week. You've always been a bit of an anti-Mitch Moses man. I had Tubes and Matt ganging up on me. Do you agree with Tubes that there's a case to go with Mitchie at 80K more than Sam Walker, or do you do you think it's clear-cut Walker? I think it's clear-cut Walker, but Mitchie boy's going to have his 130 weeks. He just is. He's also going to have his 15s and his 30s. Um, I'll avoid that. And I just I can't get around him. I don't enjoy watching him. He just frustrates me. So certainly not one of mine. And I think you guys nailed on the head last week. Any any time you add the uh, the Mitchy boy into into someone's name or the boy into someone's name, they're no good. All right, well, let's let's move to our next man, Lukey Boy Brooks, who's currently sitting at five hundred and sixty k. 
uh, and is the fourth most owned, I think, of all the halfbacks at a not too dissimilar price to pretty much smack bang in the, the middle there between someone like an Ezra Mam at 5'8", uh, which Luke Brooks is also available at, and Sam Walker. I just can't get around Luke Brooks. I, I, I don't understand why he's so highly owned. Tubes, what are your Luke Brooks thoughts? Could you could you ever see him in your team to start the year? There's no way he's in my team. Um, I'd like to even say that he's a wait and see, but I just can't see how he fires that much um, just moving across to Manly. Like I understand he's going to play 5'8", he'll get to run the ball, and he's also going to be playing inside uh, one of the best fullbacks in the game, Tom Travojevic. But, I mean, the the best way for him to manly to do well is for him to pass the ball, ball to Turbo. So what, you're sort of just relying on Turbo scoring 100 tries and not setting them up himself as well? I just I don't see where it's coming from. Um, I think everyone's a bit excited because he's getting away from the Tigers. Um, but he's not... He, he doesn't have he doesn't have enough that sort of make that jumps off the page that I, he feels special that he's five hundred and sixty k. If he was three hundred and sixty k, he like he'd be an awesome buy, maybe even low four hundreds. But he's just too pricey for for what I think his upside actually is. Yeah, especially when he's that close to someone like a Sam Walker. Uh, Chris, you are fairly passionate about the next guy on our list to talk about. He's a five eight. Uh, the Broncos 5'8", who last year set the record for most tries ever in an NRL season by a 5'8". Chris, are you wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, or wham, bam, no thank you, ma'am, coming into 2024? It's a huge no thank you, ma'am, from me. I cannot get around, nor can I understand why anyone is seriously contemplating him. The guy scored 19 tries last season and averaged 52 so, therefore, that is his absolute ceiling. He has no chance of scoring 19 tries again, yet he's got, if I'm reading that correctly, 19% ownership. Have I taken crazy pills? <laughs> I, just, I just can't get around that. It's, 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 it's a 10-minute it's a period from a grand final that people are going off. It was amazing. He scored three tries and you know came within a bees of getting the Clive, but... I just can't get around um, him as a genuine option in Supercoach. Jibs? Don't you know, Chris, that that grand final form automatically carries over to the next season as the, as as like a, a kick-on from there? I, I feel like everyone's just jumping on thinking that, yeah, he like it's like no one knew who he was in Supercoach Land before that grand final, and it's like oh geez, he's fun to watch. Let's uh, let's get him in the team for the, to start the year. It just I agree, hundred percent. Can't see how he goes better. I mean, I could see him going better in terms of being more involved, more line breaks, etc. And and the Broncos potentially going up a level, uh, a further level um, with as as a team. Um, which then brings a lot of their players, obviously, into contention. Um, but there's no way that he's has the pedigree to become a 700-plus uh, consistent uh, super coach man, so I just can't see why you're paying 530 for him. And they've got a tough run to start the year. Yep, agree on all fronts. Can't, can't even come back at any of that, even though I'd like to just to make it interesting, but I think you guys covered it perfectly. Jaden Campbell, currently the sixth most owned 5'8", priced at 456k, sitting around 11.7% ownership. 
I think we only need to quickly mention him to say that he's out to round five. So there's absolutely no way you can start with Jaden in your team uh, for Sue Coach this year. And we can reassess come round seven, round eight, once he's had a couple of games under his belt and we can see what his role is. Uh, Tubes, Tom Dearden is one that I know you and your brothers had spoken about at a bit of length before. So I don't know how in-depth you want to go. Uh, you're the Cowboys man and you're very interested. I was interested. I've, I've come full circle on Dearden. I'm interested in the Cowboys. Oh. Uh, um, and... Uh, just their run to start the year, I really like Dolphins, Newcastle, St. George. Um, am I reading this right? Uh, yeah, Dolphins, Newcastle. No, I think I'm reading it wrong. Whatever it is, it's a ridiculously good run uh, to start the year. Uh, I think I mentioned it on a previous pod. They they don't leave Queensland uh, for five of the first seven rounds or something like that. And they have one of the easiest starts to the year, as well as no buys uh, to, to kick off the first sort of 12, 13 weeks. The reason I've come full circle on him, though, is I think that there's much better options at the Cowboys. I think Val, uh, Drinky, we've talked about Cotter, we've talked about Lukey, we've talked about Nanai, we've even talked about Robson on the pod. Um, I just think that you can't overstack on Cowboys. And I think in that price range, 592K, average 58 last year with three scores above 100, I think you're going to get the same from him, rocks and diamonds. Uh, and I just think that someone like a Sam Walker for 18K more is much more value in the position. Uh, they're not the same position, are they? They're half Chris, and five eight. Yeah, Sam Walker's not dual this year, but that's yeah. It's still about balancing the cap around your team, so it's still a fair point. Chris, you uh, almost had Tom Dean last year. You had him as your pot of the week. You talked about trading him. We're into your team. We all talked you out of it. Uh, and then he went on to have, I think, like 130 or something that weekend. 170. Uh, are you any chance of 179, yeah. Oh, even worse than I remember. Are you any chance of starting Tommy Dean this year? No, that's just burnt me. I can't do it. <laughs> I can never do it. He's just on the he's on the like, he's on the no go list. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, I did look at him. But um, yeah, I'm pretty cowboy stacked already, as I think I mentioned. So look, uh, not one for me. But I, I can definitely uh, understand why people are having a look. Um, but I, I sort of lean the tubes' way of thinking. He is definitely that rocks or diamonds player. Um, yeah, I think that's clear cut with his scores from last year. There's, yeah, there's some real low ones there, but there's also that that monster. But um, yeah, I I can't get around him this year. Not for me. So we we've pretty firmly discounted a lot of these five eight mid range options. Can I ask you, Tubes, what's your tactic towards the five eight position this year? Because it's a bit of a weird one. There's no clear cut awesome cheapies who are going to hit the spot of the premium options. Dylan Brown seems to stand out. What are you planning to use or running with your tactics when it comes to this position? Because we've pretty much put a line through nearly every 5'8 mid-ranger there. What do you think? Yeah, I was just about to say, it's a real tough year for 5'8. Um, very tough. Uh, and then there's even the chance that everyone the the cheapy everyone's going to go KO Weeks is now in potential doubt as to whether or not he's, he makes the, the starting 5'8 role for the Raiders. So... I think the best strategy is get one of the guns. I know you mentioned Dylan Brown. Um, I've sort of 
put put my four uh, put my flag down on Munster, assuming he's fit to start the season. So Munster or Dylan Brown, and then go with a cheapie. Um, but there really isn't much else. Like I, I say that I've come full circle on Dearden, but I look I open my team and he's and I've, and I've somehow put him in there, trying to just play around to find cash because there really isn't much. There really just is not much in this mid ranger now that Jaden Campbell's gone. But it feels like such an important position with with the likes of Munster and Dylan Brown available that you can't just go full you know full cheapy um, options. Yeah, because you guys made a good point about like there's other Cowboys you'd rather have, but maybe not just because of the positional thing. Like there's there's Cowboys that might be a better fit, but they're probably going to have people who are strong in their position as well. So yeah, I think Tom Dean's one that I'll consider. I'm hoping that I can get away with a Dylan Brown and then a cheapy like KO Weeks does come good. But if someone if KO Weeks is ruled out, I might have to look at upgrading to a mid-range and Dylan Brown. Uh, center wing is our final position we're going to talk about tonight because we're not even bothering to go through any mid-range fullbacks because they're all pretty much you want that that gun price and we spoke about them last week. So we're not even going to touch fullback. We're going to finish on center wing. And starting with uh, Taylor May, who returns for Penrith, uh, it's said that he's going to play in the centers this year. Chris, you are a big Brian Toto man and you love those Panthers outside backs. Is Taylor May currently in your team? Yeah, yes, he is. Uh, I, um, yeah, at the price, given what he did the year before, admittedly on the wing, but I, I just think that's a, that's a pretty easy one to start with. Um, you've got three weeks to have a look at him, and he's going to be a real easy downgrade if he doesn't fire in the centres. Because, um, you know, not that I think he, he, he won't fire. Uh, I just, I just, my memories of him are, are strong. So, Keep that role going, so he'll be starting in my side definitely, unless you know, barring injury between now and the kickoff. Yeah, I think that's the only thing that could happen is injury at that price at four hundred and fifty-eight k. He's he's fail-proof. I think like he's going to get enough attacking stats in Penrith. His work rate's strong enough. Tackle busts, offloads. I just can't see him being a fail at that price. And no matter how many renditions of my team I've done, he's a man who is in every single version. Tubes, you on on board with that as well? Yeah, I think you lock him in. Perfect. Uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek at 539k. He's going to play in the centres for the Warriors this year uh, after being a, a past premium gun in Supercoach playing fullback. I don't think I can do it. We spoke a little bit last week when we were talking about SJ about maybe just wanting to see the Warriors prove it again. And I'm not convinced that at that price tag, he can consistently exceed it. And I can't see the Warriors going as well. I think they could be a good team but I can't see him being as, as strong and dominant thrashing the bottom teams like they were last year. Do any of you guys have a counter-argument and, and think that RTS is an option? No. Nah, Not from no me. No counter-argument. 539K, way too expensive for Roger, uh, starting in centre wing. I just, like, I'd love to own him just because it would be exciting and it's good to have him back. Uh back from uh, Rugby Union, but if he doesn't play fullback, he's just not really relevant. Geez, uh, you'd, you'd, you'd love to look at 
owning him as an option in the centre wing if he was playing fullback at 539k. But in the centres, he's he's just not gonna he's not gonna base enough. He's not gonna be as effective. Both sides of the ruck attacking output. I just can't see how you start the year with him uh, at all. Yeah, he's the kind of player. It wouldn't surprise me if he won Dalian Centre of the Year at the end of the year. And that he was never fully super coach relevant, just because the, the base factor tubes that you mentioned. Uh, while we're sticking with with guys who are electric at fullback, which RTS isn't playing this year, but one I know that Dan's got his eye on. Wacky Dan has his eye on the Hammer, who is uh, coming in at six hundred k, so just under that premium mark, playing for the Finns this year. He, we we all had egg in our face last year. None of us thought he was a good buy to start last year. Coming in, I think he was like three hundred and twenty k or in that kind of range, starting fullback. And we all kind of agreed that he wasn't going to get through the base. He wasn't going to be an option. The Finns were going to be terrible. And I owned him in my team four weeks later. So I thought he had a really impressive footy year. Could you guys see him, Chris, particularly for you, could you see him coming in and becoming just a, a superstar this year and becoming a really relevant super coach player? Yeah, I really, I really can. I'm not going to start with him, but that's not to say I won't have him at some point. Um, Back to your point on, you know, we all brushed him started last year. I think Wacky Dan's words were something along the lines of he feared contact. Something like that's <laughs> ringing a bell for me. But anyway. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so many of us had egg on our face. Um, he played unbelievable. And the other night in the um, Indigenous All-Stars game, I well, know he went out when um, he got back in to the uh, field of play from that grubber that went into the in-goal area. But, geez, he's just... His balance and his movement is amazing to watch. So he'd be one I would love to own because cheering him home on a Sunday afternoon, uh, once he gets the ball from 40 or 50 out with no one in front of him, would be bloody great. But um, I'm not going to start with him, but I think he's going to have a big year. I just can't get around it. Um, uh, 600K centre winger. I tend to start pretty low in that area at the start of the season. Um, So I'll stick to that. Well, our next guy is a little bit lower. We've christened him in our group chat, Megan Trainor, because he's all about that base. It's Dylan Lucas, who is a chance of being the starting edge back role for Newcastle, mm-hmm. 502K. He's got the starting job uh, this weekend over Kai Paul, Paul Pierce or Kai Pierce Paul. I can't remember which way his surnames go. But he seems to have won the starting job, or at least for this weekend. Two tries on the weekend. The man just gets through a mountain of work whenever he plays footy. Available at centre wing. Tubes, how do you feel about Megan Trainor? Is he a chance? I think um, as an overall strategy, I definitely wouldn't pay up for people in centre wing unless they either have that high base or they have goal kicking. Um, So that rules out someone like the hammer for me. Dylan Lucas clearly has the high base. I think he even has attacking upside um, in that Knights team, it really just comes down to what's his minutes going to end up looking like with Kai Paul Pierce. Even if he's named a start for round one, I think given Frizzell's on the other edge and we know he's an, like he's an origin 80-minute back rower, uh, I think that it's you're just not going to know Lucas's minutes until the first few rounds of the year. So I think that he's a perfect sort of target trading option after a couple of rounds if it does look like he's playing 60, 65 plus minutes and you can look to bring him in. Um, not waste spending 500k on on a center wing to start the year that that might be a dud um, that you're getting rid of after a couple of weeks. 
That's a great call, Tubes. Yeah, he could be a perfect downgrade option from one of the guys you do have a crack at who doesn't quite work out. So I absolutely love that tactic. Uh, Chris, anything to add on Dylan Lucas? No, I think Tubes wrapped it up really well at the end there. Uh, couldn't agree with him more. Perfect. It also feels a bit weird paying 500k for a bloke who is very like unproven and kind of came from the clouds. So just it's a bit of a weird price tag. I'd love him to be 100k cheaper. Uh, Jake Avarillo is on our run sheet because he's quite well owned. He's at 488k. Uh, this week for the trials and last week for the trials, he was starting behind both Tessie New and Jack Bostock. Uh, so it looks like he might be potentially getting that utility jumper for the Finns and not getting that starting role like a lot of people expected. I think even if you did get the starting role at 480k, I don't think it'd be an option for, for me. So one to watch, but I don't think he's there for us this year. Will Penasini, who in the past has always been Dan's man, I think he talks about him nearly every week as an option. Not sure if he's ever owned him since his rookie season. Will Penasini is currently, he's in my team. I have had him in since one of my first kind of fill-outs of the year, and I'm really, really liking him this year as a pod centre-wing option. Uh, Chris, I'm quite high. I'll, I'll go into my case for him in a moment, but do you see any upside in him, or do you have any kind of case against Will Penasini? Oh, look, I'm pretty lukewarm on it. Uh, I can't I can't sort of make a case for or against, to be honest. He's just one of those players that, I, I, for whatever reason, I can't warm to. Because um, the output's been there previously, and he, there are definitely green shoots in his game. I really enjoy watching him with the ball. I think defensively... Um, there's some issues there, but that's 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 not showing up in his super coach scores. Um, look, Parra have got a pretty good run. Um, I, I, I'm I'm not going to talk you out of it, John. John, if you if you feel pretty uh, strongly about it, but I want to hear more. I just think that every year there's someone like a young centre winger who just kind of elevates to the next level. He's only 21. Last year he only scored eight tries, uh, which you know. It's not terrible, but I think that'd be about his flaw in a in a full season of first grade if he if he was fit. The Eels weren't that good; they finished tenth. I think they could have a better year and bounce back. And other than Gutho, who gets through work, their whole like one to five is pretty much allergic to base. They just there's not really a lot of players there who are getting through much work. So I think his flaw is pretty safe. And I just think that if he continues to improve as a footy player, I think he could go to that next level. So it's not purely based off stats; a little bit of it is gut feel. But I am very, very interested this year, and I think I'm going to start with him. Tubes, you've had Penasini in and out of your team. What do you think? I really, I it's a it's a big gut call. I think um, you're really backing in that upside play, and um, it it feels like the the tubes of pre 2023 type type play uh, to me. And uh, uh, so he's he he did come into my team for a little bit, but I went through the numbers. His base wasn't as good as what I thought it was, um, and so I've I've sort of just gone back to what I said what, what I said earlier. I don't want to pay up um, the sort of 500, 550k plus, or close to sort of six hundred for those that don't either have the base or the goal kicking. Um, so look, I'd, I'd be happy for him to go well. I'm sure he'll I'm sure it'll be a good watch for you, but it does feel like a real gut call. Um, and and I'm I'm sort of shying away from that a bit this year. How harsh is it to call him Tubes pre 2023 when Tubes pre 2023 this time of the preseason is putting up Marcello Montoya? 
we cannot put Will Penasini in the same in the same category as Marcello Montoya. I take umbrage to that, Tubes. Uh, but I do agree with you about the base. I, when I looked at his numbers, it was really impressive the first two thirds of the year, and like fell off a cliff the last third of the season. So, you know, you can use the stats to tell yourself your own story. Possibly he was carrying an injury. Possibly only his second full year of first grade, and he was just tired and not getting through as much work. Or maybe it's an indication that his base won't be consistent. So. There's a lot of ways you could look at those numbers. Uh, Corey Oates, Tubes. We're going from player to player who are both locks in my team to start the year. Corey Oates for the Broncos, uh, I am massively interested in. Not only interested, he will be there if he's fit for round one and named. I know Matt is not as high on Corey Oates as what I am. I mean, do you guys want me to put the case for Corey Oates out there first and what I like, or do you guys want to have anything to say about Corey Oates before I do? I'm just wondering, is that the case that I already made to you and and now you're just going to steal it off and, and produce it as your own content? Is that the plan? Tubes, I'm not going to on a podcast because it's an audio format, but I could provide uh, screenshots that uh, prove what you're saying to be not true. It was actually my, my brother who's playing his first proper year of Supercoach, Pat, who put me on to Corey Oates, and I'd never even thought of him and considered him at all. And when I saw him in his team, I had a bit of a think, got the wheels turning, and I I like what I saw. So playing in that Broncos back five, again, there is not a lot of people who are going to get through the work for the Broncos. Uh, It's basically him. Cobbo's not going to get through much. Staggs won't get through much. Walsh is tiny uh, and won't. And Jesse Arthurs, who looks like being their other starting player, he's not exactly a notorious baseman. He tries, but it's not a strong point for him. So I think Corey Oates is probably good for 15 runs a game. I think, would be a reasonable amount to consider. He's playing on the left edge outside Selwyn Cobbo, and being outside Selwyn was really important to me as well. If he was outside Katoni, I think I would have gone cold. I reckon Selwyn's got some pretty nice crisp hands and can find his outside man really well. I don't think he's always going to tuck it under the arm. So that was of interest to me as well. Uh, and I just think he's, he's priced really nicely. He's, he's 450 k I don't think he can fail at that price, and I think he has it in him to be a 600K-plus player who could go on a run. So that's my case for. Do do you guys have anything, Connor, to rebut that? Only, I mean, I've got him in my team as well, so I'm only really supportive of it. I I think 450K is, is a good price to look at getting him at. I think he started the season last year at 600K, um, and so he's definitely got that in him at, in a full year of first grade. I think we talked about Mam before and the fact he scored 19 tries last year um, and therefore what's his real upside. I think Corey Yates just, he only played maybe seven or eight or nine games last year. Um, he is a well, he is a known try scorer. He is a great finisher and he's going to beat the end of a, like a red hot Broncos backline. Um, they do have a tougher start to the year, but uh, I think you said, Jono, good teams don't have bad, hard, don't have tough runs, and I just think that as a winger sitting on outside of that back line, he's on his attacking stats alone, he's worth a shot at the 450k range, but I also agree with everything that you said, that his base output could easily go up. He loves, he doesn't, he loves going in down to hit up, looking for work, and they just don't have the same quality that they've had in the past um, to get through that work. So I think he's really good. The only argument against for me is just that he's Corey Oates and he'll, 
he could find something to stuff him up. He might decide he wants to play back row, you know, a few games into the season. Who knows what's going to happen? I just want to jump in there, Tubes. Like, you spoke you spoke about how he didn't play many games last year. How many tries do you reckon he scored? Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. Me? None. I'll give you a hint. He was nude at Mad, Mad Monday. Did not score a try last year and still averaged forty-four. So there's no way that's happening again. No way. I'm. I'm. I'm with you both. One hundred percent. Corey Oof. Oates, get him in. I'm, I'm. I'm sensing fifteen tries plus this year. Come on, Corey. I. Is, is Corey twenty? Are we all a lock on Corey? Yeah. Wow, did not expect that. I thought one of you two were going to put the case against him. So that's that's huge. What's what's Corey's ownership at the moment? He's currently only at one point seven percent ownership 1. as well. So mm. that's why we're the pod pod. So definitely we're we're excited at him. Let's stop talking about him. We don't want too many people to own him. Let's move on to uh, Jacob <laughs> Kiraz. Jacob Kiraz, who I know uh, is Matt's man at six hundred k. I think if he starts on the wing, which it looks like he will, he's he's a lock for Matt. Uh, I can try and put forward Matt's case. He basically was conceding after listening to a few podcasts about his injuries that he was playing half the year hurt, which massively impacted his output. And he has, I mean, basically his, his floor is so high because of the work he's going to get through when he's fully fit. He's coming into this year fully fit off the back of his injuries. And he was playing on the end of a dog's back line and wasn't getting as many tries as what he could if the dogs improved this year. Tubes, where do you sit on Kiraz? I think he's clearly he's got the base stats to look at owning. Uh, I think he was he was the hot he was the hot hand at about round four, round five last year. It seemed like uh, there was nothing that was going to stop him from being an absolute premium gun until that sort of injury or niggling injuries hit. Um, I can see the appeal of starting with him, but for me, paying that that amount of money, I want a bit more assurity, and I'm and I I don't feel it. Um, you know, I'm worried about the dogs, how they're going to go. Uh, you're worried about was it was it his base that was affected due to injury, or was it just you know what was was the previous stats a bit of a you know uh, a mirage? I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm happy to avoid him and potentially bring him in, you know, part way through the season if he is killing it. Chris, what are your thoughts on Karaz? Yeah, I'm in total agreement with Tubes. He's on the he's on the watch list for me. I can definitely see the upside in him. If he's fully fit and that base goes through the roof again, he could become you know could end up in that must have territory at some point during the season. Um, you know, throw a few attacking points onto his base, and yeah, he could he could really be um, be one you need, not just want. So um, yeah, I'll be but I'll be watching um, Karaz to start. I just want to see how the dogs as a footy team go as well. Do we know what wing he's going to be in at the Dogs? Like, where, where does it look like he's going to play? No idea. All right, fair enough. All right, well, that, that brings us to a close of our, our mid-range discussion and strategy for today. Uh, fellas, it took us two nights of recordings, many attempts. There was a lot of technical issues along the way, but I think we've got there. Let's hope this recording works and it goes out to the masses tomorrow. Uh, tubes. Thank you very much for joining us again tonight and for all your, your hot takes. Really enjoyed your banter as always, mate. Yeah, cheers, McGrath. You beauty. And Chris, uh, first hit out for the year. Feeling good? 
That was great. Uh, it was a long one, but it was a really good one. Enjoyed being back and can't wait to get into it. Thanks, boys. Thank you, everyone.